I'm muted, huh? <laughs> Thank you, Kathy. So I, like I was saying, of course, I'm excited to do this, as I say every week, but I don't know whether you want to call it like, whether you're one of our woo-woo kind of followers and, you know, or uh, clients, and you believe in the mysticism of things happening, or whether it's just coincidental. But this week, I was just sitting there, and all of a sudden, I thought, I really need to do minding your bite again. It has been a long time. It's an oldie but a goodie, but I teach it in so many of my calls. And I don't know what made it like, not a whole lot of my calls revolved around this this week, but I just felt like I had to do it. And then I was talking with some coaches before, and apparently, in a lot of different conversations, um, this was coming up a lot. And then as I talked to a few clients today, it became a popular topic. So I think whatever the case may be, things happen for reason. And minding your bite is what I feel really pulled to talk about today. So, and you guys really responded well to the modes video that I did um, about and breaking things into a system and kind of giving you some tips. So that's what I'm going to do today too, as well. All right. So this is going to rely a lot on you guys in the chat as well. I want to hear as I'm talking these things through, I want to hear if anything sounds relatable. I might be asking you some questions throughout, but these are so much better when I'm able to get that back and forth between you guys who are probably dealing with a lot of the same thought patterns. So if you're thinking of something and no one else has said it, it's probably just because someone's waiting for someone else to say it. So feel free and please say it. Okay. So what I did was I went and dug up my notes from when I delivered this message. It didn't save the actual date, but I should look and see when I actually did that one, the, the real minding your bite, the OG. Um, but I think I'm going to go back through my notes and I kind of want to look and see kind of what I was teaching as it pertains, how it pertains to this, give you guys the foundation. But then I've worked with a lot more clients since I delivered this talk. So I'm interested to see as I'm reading what I wrote years ago, um, what kind of evolution that seen since I've been doing this for a while. All right. So it might not be the most organized, but it should definitely be an, an interesting thing. Okay. So the way I have it written in my notes here is I titled this talk food choosing. And I talked about the worth it questions to start it off. Now, when I started doing this, the worth it questions were something that I really talked about a whole lot. And it's still a big part of the beginning of the program. You know, when we give you guys the welcome packet, when you see those foundational videos, um, but I think that we should go back over them together because I don't talk about them nearly enough. So uh, especially before the holidays, this is going to be coming up a lot. Worth it questions are they're pinned to the top of the uh, Facebook page and they're also in the Google Classroom. But it's a series of 10 questions that all have to do with deciding on what kind of a food you want to eat, right? Like, let's say you're deciding on something and you're like, I know it's going to screw a baby step. I know that I'm not going to feel great if I eat it or eat it, drink it, do it. It might not be a food baby step, whatever the case may be, but you're trying to evaluate that moment if it's worth it or not to, to go for it. And I think it's important to break down what does worth it actually mean, right? Because I'll be blunt. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced anything like it, but I felt like when things were taking a long time to happen, every moment that I backtracked on what I knew I had to do felt like, well, fuck it. I'm not there anyway. 
Has anyone felt like that before? If you're like, well, I'm already fat. What the hell is it going to matter if I, if I have this one thing, like, what am I going to wake up tomorrow looking like a Victoria's Secret model? I dated myself on purpose. This was like, you know, in the 2000s where everyone had to be super skinny, like a Victoria's Secret angel, you know? So it kind of felt like because I wasn't there, what does it matter? Another day looking like this, but that freaking builds, right? Like that compounds. And I think more than the actual thing you're doing, it's the mindset of that, that begins to create a pattern and a habit. And then eventually a place, a slump, if you will. Tell me in the chat, anyone ever felt like that before? What's one more day? Screw it. Hasn't happened yet. What's the big deal? And you know the rule. You have your water bottle. When I sip, you sip, we sip. I got a new one. How cute is this? There's like a little string and everything. Of course, pop top with an easy. I can't drink out of a water bottle with a screw top, please. I would be dehydrated again. I can't. Yes, I have some people here commenting. Yes, all the time. Yep. Because it's easy. It's easy to feel like, you know, we humans, I feel like fight so hard to get to a place. We just, we, the, the journey is, I just want to get to this solid place. I just want to get there and then I can rest. I just want to get there and then I'll know what I'm doing. I just, I just want to, I just want to, there's always something we're chasing that it makes it, it, all it does is kind of distract us from being present in the moment. And there's a lot more to it, right? But ultimately that's what it is. It's that, or if you remember, I, I think it was not the modes one, the zoom, the zoom before that. I talked about being really zoomed in. And it really being about us zooming out and really looking at the whole picture. And I feel like when you're unhappy with where you're at, it's very easy to be zoomed in and not think of our actions on kind of a macro scale. And at, for not just because we're stupid, right? But because it's like traumatic, you know, it's not for lack of trying or wanting. So understandable, but I didn't write any of that in my notes. That's just my ADHD. The words, the questions I have are in here are pretty straightforward right? The same ones on the page. Is it a special event that holds a sentimental place? So this Zoom is about minding your bite, right? So we're going to take, use this for food. We're going to talk about wanting to, deciding, is it a worth it moment to have something that it goes against a baby step where it's hormonally unfriendly? Like, should we do it or not? So you're going to ask yourself these questions. Is there, is this a special event that holds a sentimental place? You know, is it like, the one place you get this barada from because you and your significant other like met there and talked about barada on your first friggin' date? Or is it just like some random franchise restaurant around the block and it's happy hour? You know, um, do you look forward to it? Like, I'm not going to lie. There is one place that I get flan for my birthday since we moved. I'm probably not going to get it anymore, but it was like the best. And I looked forward to having a flan on my birthday. So I really looked forward to that item, right? Why do you want it? Is it out of convenience, boredom, hunger, a social event, a treat you really enjoy? Now remember, none of these questions are being asked with the right or wrong mindset. This is all meant to take us from being thinking, you know, oh, it's the big deal, fuck it, whatever, and really kind of just getting clear, the big picture here, right? 
this is the best. Is there a substitute you wouldn't mind having? I would say that the entirety of minding your bite is centered around this question here. We'll get deeper on it, but essentially this is where, this is the big, the big boy here, right? So will you feel regretful if you do not have it? If you go to like, this is, I, I tell this story all the time. Um, I had two honeymoons, so to speak. The first one, my, my husband at the time was a, my husband who's still very much currently my husband, but at the time he was a school teacher. So, and we got married in October. So he couldn't, we couldn't take like a long break at that point. He was still new in a system. So, but we could get like a school week, which is still now thinking about it, like ballsy. Um, but we were able to get that week off. My in-laws had a timeshare in Mexico that they said, we have a free week go there and then you can plan like your actual planned honeymoon you know and we wanted to do italy you could do that like in the summer or when nick is off from work okay so the one in, in mexico we went to now his parents um got this timeshare like a really long time ago and it's like a really really nice place um it's like a five-star resort it's gorgeous you know um and i went there upset about my wedding photos that i had seen this, mind you, this was after I had lost the weight, by the way, this might be a little tangent, but I feel it's necessary. This is after I lost the majority of my weight. Um, and <clears throat> we all come into this, I think, thinking if I lose the weight, I'm going to feel better. If I lose the weight, I'm not going to be such an asshole to myself anymore. Like there's a certain pant size to which case you can stop degrading yourself, right? I thought this way. So you think after losing all this weight, I would really respect what my body has done. And I would just relish in those wedding pictures and own it. No, it's freaking hard when push comes to shove. And you have an idea of like, that's been drilled into your brain of what you're supposed to look like for this one day in this one uncomfortable day, <laughs> you know? Um, and you always hear people say what they would do differently, right? Like I would have done my everything about the way I looked and how I enjoyed myself and my pictures would have been different. So coming off of the heels of not having as high a moment as you'd think, right? Now I look at my wedding pictures and I love them, but I went to Mexico, like miserable, full body dysmorphia. It was fucked up seeing my body in like all different poses that I've never allowed myself to really be like, even though I lost the weight, I'd never take photos of my arms out and about in a certain way. And here I have this camera, like I have this photographer, cameraman, what this photographer posing me in all these different ways I'm, that I'm sure he thought would translate like good on camera. So it was a lot. And I went to an all-inclusive resort in Mexico and I barely ate the entire time. Um, and I didn't think it was disordered in the sense where when I thought it was something like I quote unquote could eat, I would just, I would stock up. Like I would ask to take extras with me. Like I was hungry. I wanted to eat. You know, it was just, um, what is that other one now? That's the orthorexia, you know, the fear, the intense fear that you're going to eat something bad. Now, I don't know about all that because I have colitis. So like, I think it's also a very real fear that I'm very careful about what I eat, especially my first time in Mexico ever. Um, but long story short, I left there and I remember thinking, I don't care if I have to live on the toilet. If I'm going to a country that is known for certain things food-wise, I'm going to just deal with it because I can sit there suffering on the toilet. I'm used to it. It's, you know, I have the shits for how long before it's like, you know, another day. 
Um, but at least I'm going to have a freaking Napoleon if I'm in France or I'm going to free, you know, I'm not going to sit there and be like, is there flour in this room? You know, like, I'm just going to enjoy myself. That's my rule for vacation. I don't go looking for shit to eat to make, to cause issues. But if it's something that I'm going to regret leaving this beautiful place, that's known for this thing, this thing that I'm never going to get access to really at home, I'm going to freaking eat it. Right. So this question is on this list because like, how often does something like that happen where we truly regret, like, I should have had that? Not that often once you leave, right? So, and it's a little long voyage around that answer, huh? So, will it bother you all day if you don't? Same shit, basically. Is it worth feeling inflamed tomorrow? And in parentheses there, it says, it's okay if it is. Because that's true. Like I just said. I know when I eat certain things, what the repercussions are going to be. I know that if I want to have a drink, I'm going to be puffy. I know that if I'm going to have a bottle of wine in my fridge, I'm going to be drinking a glass of wine each day. So I'm probably going to be puffy for a full week. If I know I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go somewhere like we went to Puerto Rico. There is something called a Mallorca sandwich that if ever you are in San Juan, Puerto Rico, you must get. It is Google it because I could talk forever on it. So good. I had like eight before I left. Um, but <laughs> so, you know, like really, I knew the repercussions are my ankles are going to be the size of dinner plates. I'm really not going to go out. I'm not going to be able to do much. Um, my stomach is probably going to be a mess, but I had an easy day the last day of the trip. I knew we had seen everything we had to see. If I needed to sit my ass down, if I, I knew I was going to be miserable, it was worth it to me. I evaluated that. It was different than just saying in the moment, oh yeah, this is worth it. And then being miserable and being like, that was not worth it. So it's important to mention because sometimes it is okay, right? <coughs> Can you have a small amount of it and be able to stop easily? This is the thing I always try to say, you know, the old adage, a bite isn't going to kill you. It depends on the food because it very much could maybe kill you one bite, you know, like but if it is something like, you know, that one bite isn't, isn't going to really do anything, but you know that you're probably not going to have one bite. One that's probably there because of the hyper restriction around it. And I would wonder if you gave yourself the freedom, if you would end up eating more than a bite, because you might not, you might just, it might just literally be the binge trigger of the restriction that makes you cash in on it when you can, right? You take the allure away. You might just have a piece and be done right or the other way is you know if you have a piece and that's it it's like well that's kind of miserable too because you're like oh wait, i only want just a little smidge you know so it's how you approach it but if you you got to evaluate is it that i want an order of this or is it that i want to try some because i want to be included i want to know what this tastes like i'm just genuinely curious i don't know if i'll like it i want to know what you're experiencing that's so good how many times have you guys been in a situation like that where, you know, you feel like you, you got to have it one way or the other? Yeah, that's no fun. I'm curious as hell. I'm a foodie. Now, again, being that being said, if I do have more than like literally one little smidge of gluten, my colitis is in full flare. So really evaluate what that means to you, like what you can get away with with that. But ultimately, if it's just a matter of wanting to just try it, like we'll be fine. It's usually all the other shit that comes with it. It's usually once we try it, we say, oh, well, shit, I already tried it. I'm going to order something like this, or I'm going to have a whole one. Evaluate. Is it worth it? Like, 
is if it's not a worth it moment, I still want to know what it's like. You don't have to just tell yourself no, like a bad child. Okay. Number 10, last one. I was feeling wordy when I made these. Did an emotional decision bring you to this? A stressful day, a vigorous workout? Did something justify this food as a prize, punishment, pressure from others, failure? It Was it earned? Is it out of spite in some way or self-sabotage? Really evaluate, like, was this just a whim? Was this a, a vacation? Was this a holiday? You know, really put your mind into it so that, because look, listen, if it's like a whim of the moment thing, if you really like feel that badly about it, you can go get it tomorrow. Go back and get more. But it's this idea that like now is the moment. It's now or never. That is like such a, like I'm saying not ridiculous because I, I lived by that forever. But if you really stop and think about it, it's ridiculous to think that it's so easy for us to put that pressure on ourselves. Like now's the moment to get away with murder. You know, like it doesn't have to be like that. We're all in charge of our own decisions. We at any moment have control on what is worth it or what is not worth it. So that's how I kicked off this beginning part here, right? And then the mind your bite nonna, my, my nonna story I'm going to talk about after. Ooh, these notes don't make sense, but I really like them. So first, before I go on, I want to hear you guys, peanut gallery, please tell me in the, in the chat here. As you're hearing this, what are you relating to? What questions do you have? What are you, you know, get, tell me your thoughts. Let's see here. My husband usually has the same preferred taste that I do. He often gets whatever that is and I try it and then I order a different meal. <laughs> the idea, um, honestly, why I, I, the notes that I wrote on here has a lot, have a lot to do with staple searching and substitute finding. And then that's the hard part about minding your bite, right? Because it doesn't taste the same. The texture is off or the taste is different. But a big part of that is like, you wouldn't try pumpernickel bread and expect it to taste like sourdough. And you might like pumpernickel as well as sourdough while still understanding that they taste completely different. I think it's the emotion behind the reason why we have to go with something other than what everyone else is having or the, the real version. I think the what we kind of the grief that we're not allowed to have that anymore is usually what completely sours the perspective of the other option because pumpernickel and sourdough still feels like our, our, our choice. Like we're consenting to which one we're picking, but when it feels like it's for health, it feels like we're not consenting to that. It's something that's being forced upon us. And it's hard to come from a place of enjoyment with something you're getting, or rather it's hard to not have extreme scrutiny. Not for not only that, it's like more expensive. It's sometimes harder to find or you have to prep it ahead of time. So there's just like reasons why something's not that good. You know, where unless it's like life changing, we're going to sit there and be like, it's not as good as the real thing. You're right. But like one makes you sick and miserable and one doesn't. So the choice is ultimately ours. There's no good or bad. There's just a one yields X, one yields Y. You know, it's hard. Um, let's see. 
typically how my husband and I are. It's so incredibly, it's helpful that you guys like each other. Like you like the same stuff too, because you guys can also expand each other's horizons with food. Like if one of you is feeling a little, little adventurous, I'm sure it gives the other one a little bit more push to be, I don't know. I'm assuming I just love all food. I'll try whatever. I'm a weirdo except bugs. I won't do that. That's ridiculous. I'd like to think that humanity has been through enough shit to, to evolve to the point of only eating bugs. If it's like something passed down to you generationally, or like something very dearly deep to your heart, like there ain't no reason for my ass to be in bugs. I hate it. Now you see it like popping up, like in the weird crunchy food aisles and stuff. There's like chocolate covered crickets and stuff. And I'm like, that's where we draw the line. I have no connection to eating bugs. There's no reason I have to start. So, um, I would never deem something worth it and I would be miserable right nothing's ever worth it right another like to the opposite of like oh I'm already fat screw it but I've definitely been to the side of like nothing's worth not you know being fat another day and then I guess I think that also adds to the fact that it doesn't happen fast and you feel really discouraged right because we're just looking for relief from that I'm so glad your mindset has shifted as well, Beth, for sure. I always take a bite or a sip of my kids' fun drink slash milkshake slash whatever because I want to try it, but I know uh, it'll hurt if I have a whole one. Absolutely. Like, you know, not for nothing. Like, I really, I have just more of an affinity to more like natural flavored or natural tasting things. Like, I could really live on just like a piece of fish with lemon juice, salt, and olive oil for the rest of my life and be so happy. <laughs> um, I mean, I say that never having to actually do that. I probably would suck at it. But anyway, um, but if like someone ha goes to have like my sibling likes more of like the fun stuff. So if they're going to have like a green fucking milkshake and it said they sit down next to me, I'm going to have some. I just want to know what the hell it tastes like. I'm just curious, you know. But yeah, I can't I'm not going to have a whole one and then be sitting there taking insulin every 10 minutes for the next two days. <laughs> you know, it's just not worth it but I definitely want to know. All right. So here's the thing that kicks off us talking about replacing things. I think, and, and what I was mentioning before about our emotion, as it pertains to the replacing of foods and changing out foods, if you were ever stuck without, you know, with, you didn't bring food with you and you're traveling somewhere and you hit traffic and it's taking a lot longer than it was supposed to. And the only thing, the only place on the road to stop for food is this roadside gas station that has like the most gross looking sandwiches. It is just something to shove down your gullet and get back on the road. You wouldn't sit there and be like, I'm not, I'm just not that into this. I just, I don't know. There's like something a little off about the texture of the bread. I don't know. Or maybe it's the right, the type of mustard that the, you would just like hate your life, eat it enough so that you're not like hangry and like crumple it into a half eaten ball and just move on from the most miserable meal ever. But we want like a Zagat freaking experience when we sit down to food, if it's a replacement food, we got, we put so much pressure on that food. Right. And half of us have even admitted that even if we were making straight up rice or even if we were making, you were, I don't know, frying I can't think of something witty at the moment, but something that you would consider like, you know, not hormone friendly, you're already kind of weary of your cooking skills. So of course, if you're going to make a substitute that already is lacking in the texture that you're used to, and now here you go and you probably spent a little more on it and it's like bland or something. 
it's like you feel like you feel absolutely what's the word I'm looking for um betrayed you feel like completely betrayed by this food you're like I believed in you you know it's just so much meanwhile that gas station ass sandwich just got eaten so you could get on the road and nobody thought about what misery because it didn't taste like the, the other like the best sandwiches you've ever had now I'm not I'm using you know um I'm exaggerating for for per for point here just to you know convey my point but what are you guys taking this to mean when I say that just the mindset of how much pressure we put behind replacements versus ultimately the standards we have for our everyday food, which aren't as high. What do you guys think about that? How does that relate to you? Tell me in the chat. This one's so cute, but it does not keep my water as cold as the other one. That's ugly. And that is such a problem, I find, in a lot of different things. Hmm. Can't make cute, functional, cute things. Like, I don't understand. It don't cost, like, $100. It's ridiculous. Anyway. So I know someone's not shy. Tell me what you're taking this to mean as you're listening to it. The standard that you put on food that is a replacement as compared to the standard you put on food that is just food. That's where I'm stuck right now. So much is bland, but so is the craft cheese. We add to it. Why is healthy food different? Yeah, we, there's some food that's like, quote unquote, unhealthy that I'm like, I genuinely can't stand the taste of or has no taste, in my opinion. We started just buying and trying and then making the rest of the meal. Yeah, you know, a lot of it is, it's not a convenient answer. It's a privileged answer, truly. And that is that there's a lot of trial and error. When I, like, it's hard for me because I've always cooked. I've cooked, I had to, um, like I cooked a lot as a little kid, you know, um, I've always kind of just had a knack for what I wanted texturally, flavor-wise. I grew up with OCD. And so I was such a pain in the ass when it came to food that I, I learned pretty quick, like how to throw things together. But when it came to learning how to eat food that I enjoyed eating as a regular way of like feeding myself as an adult, there was a lot of experimentation with that. Like I can't be sitting here cooking for three hours straight. So if I want a lot of flavor, I'm going to have to tone it down every weekend and be Bobby Flay, you know, like I got shit to do. Things are expensive, you know, welcome to reality that hit me in the face, you know, so like getting crafty with canned veggies at one point when I had like, I was completely broke, like things like that over time now, I think has led to a lot of my confidence in throwing things together and in finding food that I'm always excited by. So start in a small scaled version of that. Buy one ingredient a week you would never buy, make it a date, go to the grocery store, have your kid pick a random ass thing out, pick the aisle, you know, but have your kid pick one thing from that aisle and cook with it, figure something, Google it. You're not alone in this. There are so many people with all those long ass blog posts that they freaking broke their fingers right in for us to break our thumb scrolling through, you know, there's tons of shit out there, but just if you make something you don't like, you strike it from the record. And at least now you know something you don't like. But you also, you might be surprised at how much stuff you learn you really do like if that's your mission, you know, figuring it out. So that's the work. You know, other programs, chicken, eat chicken and kale and get your ass on an elliptical. That's their work. 
the work here is to find stuff that makes the way we eat best for our hormone imbalance enjoyable. That is the work. Finding replacements for things so your baby steps can be easy. That's your quinoa and elliptical workout right there. And, you know, and if you think about it that way, it ain't such a bad deal, right? Like it's not easy, but it's a different kind of difficult that ultimately leads to a lot more than get your ass on that elliptical. Instead, it's like, you know, get your ass online and just try to just cook things. You know how many times I just throw shit together? That happened from a lot of throwing a lot of bad things together first, you know, or having to Google how the hell I even cook something. I still do it. I get like a random vegetable or something and I just go online and see what the hell people make with it, wherever it's from. And then I learn. So, sorry, really wordy. That's where I'm stuck right now. So much is, oh, you, you wrote that already, read that. I hope that answers that. It's that it doesn't matter what it is considered. It's about just trial, error, experimentation, finding things you like, developing your palate, you know? If there's no jump to recipe, but, and I find another recipe for sure. Like either I just, I do a quick scroll and if I, if I can't get there in like a Vegas roulette kind of friggin' scroll to the bottom of the page, then I'm out. I'll go find, I will literally find a different option. Mm -mm. Um, okay. Replacement hacking. Replacement hacking. A lot of people are like, well, I don't know what the hell to get when I go out. Well, first of all, there are the, um, there's a takeout guide in the classroom that has a ton of different types of cuisines. If there's a new one that you find that isn't on there, please tell me because I will help you figure something out and then I will add it <laughs> to the takeout guide. So, so it's pretty extensive, but what a lot of times people overlook is that there's usually only one component of the thing that isn't hormone friendly or baby step friendly. Usually it's the flour that contains the gluten or the thing you're allergic to or the sugar or whatever. Now I'm not saying finding a good tasting replacement is always the easiest, but let's say you're out at a restaurant. Sometimes it's just about replacing the one part of the meal that's gonna screw you that ends up allowing you the flavor and the experience of the rest without the thing that screws you. Like in the culinary world, we call like bread, pasta, rice, whatever. I was taught that we refer to them as vessels. Even in the pastry world, like the pastry puff itself, whatever, it's a vessel. It's the vessel for the flavor as it goes to your mouth or whatever. So if you just replace the vessel, because usually the vessel is the thing with a lot of carbs or with gluten or with whatever you, one of your baby steps will be around. If you just think about replacing the vessel alone, like let's say you got pizza. I know this is weird, but nobody else has to deal with the shits like I do, right? So I will get, I'll take the cheese and the sauce off the damn pizza and I'll put it on a piece of like grilled chicken that I'll order because it's a pizzeria, they'll have it. You know, a piece of grilled chicken or I've even put it on my own bread. I've toasted a piece of carbonate or something like that and I put it on there instead. Is it real pizza? No. Is it going to allow me to have the results that I want to have, the maintenance that I want to have, the, the let like the lower inflammation, you know, like all of the great things that come from it while still allowing me to enjoy the flavor and the company involved in this pizza. So finding like, it's not always about replacing the entire damn item. Sometimes it's just about thinking of it as a way to like, how can I finagle this to serve my purpose and still be good? 
because it's not going to be exactly the same. In an ideal world, I had a fucking wand and I could wave it and everybody could eat whatever they want. I'd be the first one, right? Like, again, I ain't no chump with food. I love food. <laughs> so, you know, I'd be the first one in line for that abracadabra, but that just is not in the cards. So instead for me, I think, all right, well, like screw you illness. Like I want to find a way that I can enjoy and not be sick anymore. So for me, finding the different way of hacking is just a way for me to enjoy even more because I don't want to feel like shit and I still want to just like eat. So for me, I had to learn how to be okay with things turning out like crap. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I experimented last night. I made the only dough into chocolate and I tried doing it in different preparations for different things. And like, I want to say four out of five attempts of the things I made were just gross, just gross, throw them out. But now I've done this long enough to know from tasting it, like what I want different. I want them to be sweeter. I want them to be softer. I don't want them to be so chewy. And these are things I can work on. Being okay with it tasting like crap doesn't mean like, that's it, you're done. It means back to the drawing board. Let's make this better. You know, would you rather be hauling your ass on an elliptical eating quinoa for a year, hoping oh, maybe I'll lose something? Or would you rather spend the next year like baking stuff and like fixing it till it tastes so good you can't wait to make it? both work very different and awesome, like one very different and awesome destination and one very different discouraging destination, but both work, right? So here's what I want to leave off on for this, because this is the whole thing of what minding your bite is actually about. I don't even need this for that. I really love my, my little Italian grandmother. She's not with us anymore. But one of my absolute favorite memories, aside from all of the things I would cook with her, the bread, the pasta, everything, she taught me everything, right? We didn't even speak much of the same, same language, but I remember the stuff she taught me and this message, minding your bite. She would close her eyes every time she took a bite of food. Like, sorry, every time she took a first bite, I think I messed that up on the other Zoom too. Every time she took a first bite of food, she would close her eyes. And I, we would ask her, you know, like, why do you close your eyes when you do that? And she would say, because I really want to savor the flavor and see if I like it enough to keep eating it. I want to see what about it I like. I want to experience the food I'm eating. My grandmother was a, a heavier woman for the majority of her life. Um, she sought absolute pleasure and adventure and avoidance in food. She was, you know, she did not have an easy time immigrating here. She had a lot of like, she lost a lot of family members in the process. You know, she, it was just food was her everything. That was her whole identity was enjoying food and making food that other people enjoyed. And I remember thinking that there was no shame in that. She was truly deciding if she liked something or not. And it was like, it blew my mind to think about such pondering that came from it. This was also someone who lived through a time where like they'd raid the, they ran the air raid sirens and she'd have to go live in a cave for an extended period of time, like a couple weeks sometimes. Like they didn't know if they had food. She'd live off a of potato. She'd live off of like egg yolks that they'd save when they used the whites for a different meal last week. Like she came from absolutely nothing. So every bite of food she ate, she really did evaluate. She's like, I'm fortunate enough to decide if I like what I eat. She felt no shame about that. 
and it had nothing to do with the health or the lack of health in the food. It had to do with viewing food as a gift and a decision that we're all fortunate enough to make. And not in a, like they're starving kids kind of guilt trip, but in a, a true, like, just like she really held food to a very high regard. Um, and if she didn't like something, I remember I had her try a piece of sushi once and this woman literally spat the sushi back in my hand. Like, like I caught it because she was going to just spit it out. She was a lot older at this time. And she's like, what is this? <coughs> she hated it, you know? So it went both ways. Like <laughs> She didn't like something. I'm not experiencing this for a moment more, you know? So I want you guys to take from that and like, really mind your bite. Do you enjoy this thing you're eating? Fuck if it has gluten, if it doesn't have gluten, if it's made from friggin', I don't know, like fairy dust and sunshine and like, you know, sunflower butter, whatever it is, we've gotten so far away from do I enjoy or want more of this? And I guarantee you, if you do this, not just with your health replacements, but with foods that you feel compelled to eat when you're given the opportunity, if you really evaluated, am I do I need this extra bread, this soggy bread that isn't actually that great? It's just better than no bread. You know, like, do I need, like, how much, how good do I need that bread replacement to be compared to what I'm usually eating bread on? You know, like, really evaluate, mind your bite. What is worth it to you? What is not? You feel like shit. You don't want to feel like shit anymore, right? That's not just like, that, that's a bunch of days in a row of consciously making the effort to support what your body needs. That's not going to happen if it's difficult and it sucks. So finding replacements that you can just hone in on the one part of it that isn't baby step friendly, you know, trying foods you've never tried, making foods you've never made, whatever. It's all part of remembering that we should be eating foods that we enjoy eating, whatever that may be. So you guys were a little quiet in the chat today. Um, so either I feel like this connected with you guys. I don't know. I want, I'm dying to know, you know me, I'm a feedback queen. So whether you want to stay on after this and just, you know, if anyone has any questions or want to talk, wants to talk about anything, or if you uh, want to text me about it or whatever, but I, this point really, I feel like has helped me so much. And I hope that now that I've said it, you guys go through your week trying to look for opportunities to use it. All right. So um oh wow i went over not that much though i can stay on for another few minutes but i'm losing my voice so anyone who wants to stay on for additional questions thoughts feedback whatever you're free to stay anybody else thank you for tuning in live i hope this was helpful um and let me know what you think okay enjoy your sunday night bye